Hello and welcome back to The Voices Around You, a podcast designed to discuss different topics around us in the world from a millennial's perspective. On today's podcast, my guests and I are going to be speaking about the recent college admission scandal that has been all over the news and social media. If you haven't heard of it, it sounds exactly like it's worded. The FBI is investigating around 33 families for bribing universities to get their children in. Some of these families include celebrities such as Felicity Huffman, known for her role in Desperate Housewives, and Lori Laughlin, known for her role in Full House. Joining me today are Matt McCaution and Aaron Karikaram, both undergraduate students at the University of Wisconsin-Superior, to speak about the college admission scandal from a millennial's perspective. I'm in the studio today with uh, Matt McCaution. Hey, Matt. Hello, how are you today? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. And with Aaron Karikaram. Hey, Aaron. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Oh, it's doing fabulous. And today we are going to be speaking about that celebrity scandal uh, of some people paying universities to get their kids into schools. To just give a little bit of a background about this topic, apparently the FBI states that the total amount that has been paid in bribes is around $25 million, if I'm not mistaken around that much. And these universities include Georgetown University, University of Texas, University of Southern California, and UCLA. They're all pretty big universities, right? Yeah, I believe Yale is also in that list too. Yeah. So that's just the yeah, it is, big I hear, names in them. I hear like big name schools, and then I also hear like large football or party programs as well. Before we get started, um, tell me a little bit about you guys. So Aaron, go ahead and start off. Tell me a little bit about you. All right, well, first of all, uh, I am a Superior native uh, in the senior year at the political science program here at UWS. Uh, I am the student coordinator of the Alternative Spring Break program, which you talked about in your last podcast, which was super awesome. And I'm also on the editorial board of the Nemagi Review, which is just a small publication, also printed out at UWS. Okay. That's pretty much it. And Matt? I'm a double major here at UWS with political science and history. Uh, next fall, I'm going to be getting my master's degree from the, attempting to get it from the University of Manitoba, uh, a master's in public administration. And I am president of our campus's Political Science Association, a group where we like to talk about current events and host a couple events, such as the town hall of the mayor on campus. And I'm a member of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Oh, look at you guys. Very impressive, huh? <laughs> so, okay, now let's get started with this topic. So tell me, what do you guys think of this whole situation to begin with? Well, I think it was the knee-jerk reaction is to be upset a little bit, which I think is understandable. But uh, I think we also, every one of us kind of suspected on some level that this was probably going on for a long time and this kind of thing is probably goes on more than we know. So, you know, it's probably, I don't want to say like, oh, that's just how it goes, but that's just kind of how it goes. I was uh, surprised by the fact that they were getting, like, through the sports teams, there was that type of system where they were paying to say they were a member of the team to get into the school. That surprised me, but the fact that there was extra money going into getting undeserving students wasn't surprising at all. That's something that's often joked about, and now there's evidence for it. Yeah, like you guys were saying, you know, the whole idea of, like, being rich and paying your way through school or something. It's not something that maybe we heard of, but it's something that everyone kind of suspected. But the sports thing was pretty interesting. 
So like in Yale, their tennis coach was accused of taking bribes or whatever. And so one of the parents that got their kids in this program, like paid into the tennis program and said that the kid would play like all the time, like summer camp or whatever. And the kid like never played tennis. So like, what do you guys think of, you know, we're college students, right? When we are in college, we talk about in one way or another with our friends about our performances in class and how we got into college and this and that. Do you guys honestly think that these kids did not know that their parents bribed their way into school? That's an interesting question there. That's a very interesting. You know, there's some people say that the kids are totally unaware in some aspects, but I believe there was another story where one boy was, uh, he was admitted to a football team as a kicker. But his high school team never even had a football team. So I'm like, at one point, how are you not complicit in some level like that? Like, I couldn't, like, I'm a kind of a, a thin guy. I couldn't be on a, a football team, I don't think, just straight out, like, just paying my way through. So, I Yeah, know. I think the USC was the fencing team that was having it. Mm-hmm. And there was people who were, like, very short arms or very small people. It fits none of the build for what a fencer would be. It, it's just strange to me how it didn't get noticed till now. Yeah, I'm wondering what this school thinks they're getting out of it too, besides just the money. Like, obviously, they're not gonna be, you know, performing on the sports teams, or if they are, not as well as a real athlete could have been. So, it wouldn't really bother me if we can use uh, UWS as an example. Um, if there were a rich person in town who wanted to get their student in here. Uh, one of our best programs is the Transportation Logistics Management, and that's in our oldest building that holds classes, or Lanson Hall. If they were to put money towards revamping that building, I would have no problem with that student being admitted here, even if they're not totally up to standards. But if the money's just kind of going to the school for unspecified purposes, then it's a lot more nefarious in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like what you just said there, too, is also a good thing, or a good reminder that uh, definitely there's already been like established links between people's parents donating money to schools and then them also attending at the same time. Like, that's a very common link. I believe Donald Trump did that. Uh, He donated to Penn State when Junior was going there, just to name drop one person. Like, I think we all know that that kind of playing field is like, that's going on for sure. Oh, and there's a University of Alabama boosters, all their students, all their kids. Like They obviously live in Alabama, so that would be a common school, but all the boosters for their football program, their students, all go to the University of Alabama. And that also happens at like Ivy League school. I mean, like I believe in like Harvard and uh, I don't know Princeton and all other Ivy League schools. Some families like have legacies of donating. So eventually, when their kids grow up and go to college, they get admitted into these prestigious schools as well. So yeah, it's, it's not all just money. The last name uncommon. matters as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, do you guys think this idea of bribing your way into universities is wrong? Now we're, you know, we all like to think that it's all based on merit. Like it's a meritocracy. You get your way in because you're smart and you pass these standardized test scores and your GPA from high school is what determines what you get in. But I think clearly now what we're seeing is that might not matter so much, especially when we're talking about, you know, the compromising of the integrity of the SATs and the ACTs. And we already are seeing like a downturn in the popularity of standardized testing as a means to judge people getting in. So... I mean, not to say that money is a better option, but I think just the, how we've been doing it before is clearly not you know, the right way. 
I would say it's unethical on the parents' perspective, but not on the universities as much. Like if they're getting three hundred, two hundred thousand dollars for one extra student in their program, and that student isn't going to hurt their uh, graduation or their academic numbers that much. A lot of universities are for profit. That's not the wrong mm-hmm. decision on their end. But for the parents, I think it's pretty unethical. But what do you think that says about students who cannot afford going to schools? You know, like taking student loans is very common. Some people can't even afford going to schools or some people don't have the grades. You know, they didn't do well in high school or so, but they want the chance to go to college. And because they're not rich, they can't do something like that. So what does that say about, you know, the idea of privilege or wealth? Or, or what does that say about the chances of people getting admitted into schools? I mean, with... The idea that it's obviously there's a lot of privilege within that idea, but for somebody who doesn't make the grades, they may have had a situation at home in high school where they weren't entirely focused on school. Um, There's obviously more difficult routes to reach the same destination that a rich person gets. I don't have the solution nor the power to create that to happen, but it's just the fact that there is a much easier route when it comes to university and leaving university with a better chance at uh, buying a house or anything like that if you were wealthy going into it. And that's on the parents or grandparents who have the money. It's not on the 18-year-old students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when we think about it in the grand scheme of things, uh, obviously wealthy people have an inherent advantage in the fact that they could, if they wanted to, they could afford the tutoring and the extra you know, learning opportunities for a child like that, like the better materials, uh, a constant Wi-Fi connection that would help them with studying too. So those are all just small, like nickel and dime ways that, you know, wealthy people already have an advantage over some people. But uh, this outright, you know, I'm just going to pay 50000 or up to 500000 even just to kind of guarantee their admission is pretty crazy is what we're thinking. I think for me, I think it's a lot of the fact that it's under the table. If they put it outright that I paid an extra 300000 for my daughter to get into University X, there's not as much of a problem for me. It's the under the table stuff that really bugs me about it because mm-hmm. we're all aware that there are some privileges in the world. And if the more wealthy people were more upfront about, hey, I'm using this privilege to get my student in front, well, then at least it's out in the open and we can all see it and have better statistics of it, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would lessen the outrage at all, but yeah, no. it'd, it'd be nice to at least know about it for sure. And I think the second half of that, you know, the undertable, the aspect of the whole, you know, the donating and the bribery stuff is how the scandal that he tried to basically mask it as charity donations, and then they were able to claim that on their, like, taxes as deductions. <laughs> so I think that's where a lot of other people are kind of really mad, like, oh, it's one thing to just get your way into a private institution or a college, but to cheat the taxpayer Mm -hmm. is like committing the ultimate sin in America. That's pretty accurate, especially (laughs) in the state of California. So, like, I want to go back to something that you guys mentioned. So, you guys were, like, agreeing or saying that it's not that scandalous of the school to accept money, you know, like, accept 200K or whatever for a student to go into a program, right? You guys were saying that. But do you think if schools do that, again, like, what does it say about the school when someone that's not rich or someone that doesn't have the money, someone that's less fortunate wants to get admitted into a school or a program? What does that say? What does that say if someone has to work, like, harder to get into the school from the school's perspective you know we're not talking about from the less fortunate students perspective we're not talking about from a society perspective we're talking about the school what does that say about the school it definitely sets a bad precedent 
like I said earlier, it's most of them are for profit. It's mm -hmm. the chancellor has to make a decision that is for the profit of the school. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying from a legal point, it's probably not the wrong thing for them to do. Like that says more but like bad things about the school that it's for profit, but and not all schools are for profit, obviously. Yeah, definitely a huge reputation uh, de degradation for sure. Just uh, there's two facts of it, like or two sides, I should say. Um, you know, if you have a student who can't afford to pay the tuition is one thing, but then also if you're saying like you had someone who was able to pay their way through and then also had the requisite grades or whatnot, and then they were denied just for the fact that this person has more money to give. And that's like a really hard thing to try and loop your or wrap your head around because how do you justify it? Like you said, schools do need money. They need to, you know, keep the lights on and blah, blah, blah. And like we just got a new brand new building a couple years ago on our campus that we love. So, yeah, it's really hard to say, honestly. You could say like we already have a nice library, but mm -hmm. if somebody paid a ton of extra money to build us a three-story library with entirely new materials, as long as their student came in, it would benefit all the other students as well, even though it's not exactly morally right for the one student who didn't get in. So like, honestly, I think of it like, like you guys were saying, you know, if they're open about it, like we're going to admit students who pay this amount of money, then we're going to take them in. Because where I come from, my part of the world, universities accept people based on their grades, but also like they have to be able to afford the school. So if you cannot afford a school, you do not get into school. And this whole idea of scholarships or whatever is not something that's like available where I come from. So if you're rich, you go into the private schools and these are the big schools, you know, like our Ivy Leagues or whatever you wanna call it. And then there's the government schools and these ones you only get in with your grades and then you pay like a small fee or whatever. So this idea of paying your way through school is not something that's like new to me and does not really surprise me. And if it was out in the open like it is back home then I guess people will be more at peace with it although people might not like it like people will always complain that's like it is what it is kind of thing but like it shouldn't take a spot of someone that deserves it because I feel like here like if I'm in school and some people know that they cannot afford to go to college so they try they, their best they study hard in high school they try to you know ace their ACTs and SATs to go into school and if that person takes their spot because they can afford it do you think that's fair or not I'd say it's definitely not fair it's like you know when we spoke about the sports yeah. for example you know like what if someone was playing sports for a really long time and that was their only way to afford college and this rich person just came in and took their spot that makes me think like what is the hard and soft limit of the capacity of students at a specific university and like when we're saying like for example i forget who Lori laughlin's uh daughter is that went to U usc but like i think she was living on the dorms or something like that i don't know if that's like their campus requirement but clearly she didn't have to live on the dorms. She could have probably, her parents could have probably bought her a house across the street, for God's sakes. Mm -hmm. So to say that one person definitely could have took in that dorm room that like probably would have needed it, that's probably for sure thing. And I think that's unfair. But like if there was a way that you could say, yes, you could pay extra money and ensure this one extra spot for your student for donating this amount, but you have to like arrange other specific extra circumstances on top of that that might be a way to solve it i don't know maybe or to just, rationalize it at least 
maybe if they did something like that, just make all the uh, money, the extra money they paid, head towards scholarships for students who don't have uh, enough to afford their campus. Yeah, maybe like for every student that you know pays their way through college in, in that form, we give one student like a 50% of scholarship or something. I think that would make people feel better and will also like make universities look better yeah. kind of thing. That could be turned into a charity thing almost. Yeah. And it would actually would be a tax write-off. Here you go. <laughs> oh my God, no. We're actually getting some. <laughs> <laughs> But would that change the education system into more of a business thing rather than... It's already a business. We know that. It would definitely make it more rampant. There would be more upper middle class people donating $50,000 to get their student in. It would definitely make the issue worse if it was public. But it would also help regulate it. So, you know, it's tips and scales and balances there. Do you think that would degrade the university degree value? Like, you know, we look at different universities and we look at their degrees differently. You know, like we look at Ivy Leagues as the top. And then we have these certain like state universities that we look at as, as like really big state universities. And then we have the like the private universities and then we have normal universities, like state universities. And then we have colleges and and like, you know, two years institution or whatever. Like, would, would that degrade the value of them? Do you think it would? I think the value of a university education, at least in the perspective of, I think, the popular culture right now is degrading no matter what, uh, <laughs> especially for millennials. You know, you, you think you hear every day like, oh, what is college good for these days? You should have been a plumber or something like that. So I think that's happening a little bit no matter what, whether you go to Yale or UWS. Obviously, like you said, though, some of those universities have that really, you know, that fancy name that guarantees you extra spots upon graduation but if we're seeing like you can still get into those without even really being the smartest person I don't know if I think yeah it becomes less valuable honestly I I agree completely I feel like the American University degree is becoming worth less and less every year as we see more students graduate and not get a job and we see more and more students graduating together which means we all have the same you know worthwhile degree and it tarnishes bigger, more reputable schools like UCLA or Yale or UT Austin. They're very reputable for their education, and now we're seeing that there are people there who do not care about their academics at all. What's that say if they're passing classes? Does that mean anybody else was getting help? Mm-hmm. We know it's not realistic, and like you know, there's always a stereotype that the athletes get better grades anyway. So does that degrade the degree too? I was just about to bring that up. Like, I actually met a few people who played in D1, and then they transferred to our school here for some reasons, you know. And they would tell me, like, when they played in D1, they they wouldn't go to classes because, you know, they're always in training and this and that. And not only them, they were just, like, talking about the system generally. And usually these students tend to get higher grades and extra help and this and that. Like, Certain people in colleges, you know, they do get that extra push, that that extra privilege, you know, whether it's because you have certain abilities, so then you get that special treatment, you know, by abilities, I mean, like, you know, you can play ball, like, really good, play basketball or football or something really good. So then you make money to the school, you know, because these schools, they do all these matches, they get sponsors and this and that, and, and they make a lot of money, and these students don't work as hard to get their grades like other students do who are not you know on athletic scholarships who go to school and just study and, and especially if they're on like merit-based scholarships or things like that 
I'd say like a lot of those Division One teams. I know for a fact uh, with Division One men's hockey, all the teams that travel usually I don't know about all the teams, but the majority of teams that travel bring tutors along with them, and they help the players with their homework and all that other type of stuff. And that's an advantage that normal students wouldn't get. Mm-hmm. Who's to say these uh, celebrities who are paying two hundred thousand dollars, their daughter who's not going to class is getting extra tutor help with her homework that a normal student wouldn't get either. I am Olivia Shelby, and you are listening to The Voices Around You, where we are speaking about the college admission scandal with Aaron Kirikaram and Matt McCaution. Hello. I, like, here's the thing, like this scandal or, or whatever we want to call it, it became really big in the news and, and it was everywhere. And I honestly didn't know, how, like, what's the big fuss about it? I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, it, it's something. It's illegal I guess or whatever you want to call it because it was done under the table and you know it's not something that people were completely aware of but just like we were saying at the beginning it's not something that we did not suspect was happening in society so why is it like a bigger deal like I said earlier I think uh, part of it is it's more than just a college admission scandal I think uh, a lot of people are getting huffed up about the admission process but I think a lot of what really burned people was the fact that it was also cheating in their taxes you know why did those what these ultra rich people have to hide that extra fifty thousand dollars in their tax deduction? Uh, I know that really burns a lot of people that are really uh, you know fiery about you know taxation and whatnot. And then there's also like I don't know a whole separate issue on you know the standardized testing you know integrity. Now that's for the future. That's a whole different ballgame though. And to me, I also look at it as these are very large schools, such as, uh, you know, we've kind of been mentioning the schools mm-hmm. in Los Angeles and Yale and all that. And to me, to get a job in the future of a job interview is more important than the resume. The resume obviously gets you the interview. So if you went to a slightly smaller school, if you were the last person not accepted into Yale, a different Ivy League school would accept you. If you didn't get accepted to USC, there are yeah. other California schools that would accept you. So... If you're only applying to one school and you don't get it, I would feel terrible for that person, but that's also their fault for not applying to other schools as well. And if you can't do a good job interview, you wouldn't get the job even if you had a degree from Yale. So it's... Yeah, I suppose there's always the comeback next year excuse, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not this year. Maybe next year. (laughs) So, like, okay, so some of these people, apparently there's, like, 33, like, parents in this whole situation. And so some of them, like, could be charged with conspiracy to commit fraud, which is apparently punishable by 20 years of prison. Do you think, I mean, like, I don't think, honestly... Any of them are going to go to prison. I think they're oh, just going to no. like pay some stuff in court, and that's going to be it. But do you actually think it would be fair, or any of them deserve, I guess, to go to prison for twenty years for trying to pay their kids' way to go to college? I'd say no, because I don't want my tax dollars to pay for their prison time. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, rather, <laughs> I'd rather find them. <laughs> I yeah, guess. I suppose. Honestly, yeah, it's, that that probably would be the better answer. Uh, just get their money and slap them on the hand, I guess. It's got to be enough, you know, of a punishment, though, that is going to, like, send the message that you should not do this again, you know. If someone spends uh, half a million on their child getting into college, are you going to fine them $20,000? That doesn't matter to them at all. So it's got to be 
a just punishment, I suppose. I believe one of them, the one that was uh, from Desperate Housewives, she just paid recently like $250,000 like for a bond to like get out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you think two hundred and fifty? But is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars like a big thing for one of the ladies on the Desperate Housewife TV show? That's that- what I'm saying. Like two hundred fifty thousand is a lot to me, but she's probably a quarter million to her. Is I don't know, probably like part of a year's take home, like easily. So yeah, there's a no lot idea. of reruns of that show playing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of residual checks constantly. I it's really tough to say like you can't force anybody to um set up like a scholarship fund or anything like that a fine would obviously just go to I believe the state government unless it's a federal crime yeah, but probably. um you can't really force anyone to put the money to a good place so i would just say a, a hefty fine and then make sure you change the legal framework of how these people did what they did to either prevent it from happening or make it much more regulated and out in the open so at least we're aware that it's happening I just like want to point out that like celebrities get paid up to like two hundred or two hundred and fifty k for one Instagram post. So this is yeah. an Instagram oh. post. <laughs> one advertisement. That's all it is. Yeah, it, it legit is like okay, give me a sec. I'm gonna put a post and I'm gonna get you your bail money or bond money or whatever you want to call yeah, it. That's right. That's right. So we agree, prison like shouldn't be a thing for people. Yeah, I'm afraid that some might not even get punished at all though i mean i'm still kind of in the the shock of to not to get off subject here but the jesse smollett case where (laughs) the the prosecution just kind of vanished and they just dropped all charges and he kind of disappeared and no one ever talked about it again uh i hope one of those situations doesn't repeat because i think he was on the same like the mail fraud charge that Lori laughlin is on actually so it'll be interesting to see how they treat a celebrity of color versus uh i don't know it probably has a lot to do if the media uh, gives a trial or any type of trial that happens or hearings or anything any attention. If they don't talk about it, it probably will just go away because mm-hmm. they'll either slip some money under the table or they'll just pay a small fine, settle in court, call it good, or walk away scot-free, say they're sorry. Do you think this thing, though, got more media attention because it has some celebrities in it, like Aunt Becky from Full House? Or- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I like. I think I went on the list uh, that New York Times published just to see who the full 33 parents were, and I, I only know, like, two people on the whole list. So if it wouldn't have been those two high-profile people, I don't think anyone would have cared. Yeah, yeah like, I, I think I knew, like, three people. I think one of them was the guy from Shameless. I think mm-hmm. he was on the list. Mm-hmm. And then there is, uh, what's her name, Lori, Lo- Aunt Loughlin. Becky. Loughlin. Laughing, yeah, yeah, Aunt Becky, and then the Desperate Housewife lady, and then I didn't know any of the other people. And the reason I found out about this story was because Aunt Becky was trending on Twitter, and I was confused, <laughs> so I went to look at it. It's like no one cares if some CEO pushes his son through college. It's just something everybody assumes is happening. It's more entertaining when it's a celebrity. Yeah. Is there anything else I did not ask you guys that you guys want to bring up or add? Hmm... I'm interested to see how, uh, if at all, Bernie Sanders will, you know, uh, approach this whole scandal, you know, with his free college movement, if he thinks free college will prevent this kind of scandal or if it won't. Personally, I don't think it would matter because people are going to give money for personal benefits no matter what. But I think, I don't know, like I said, I'd be interested to see what he has to say about it. How is that going to tie into his further campaign and... 
if you, we did go to a like a universal education for undergrad that was paid for by the government, then people would pay for their sons and daughters to not go to class and get passing grades, or they would pay for them to get into yeah, the so it would be something program. else. Yeah, yeah. So it would just be using their money to keep their kids one step ahead either way. Or it, just to get them admitted into that single <laughs> university. Mm-hmm. So imagine if the payments were out in the open and everyone could go to university for free, how devalued the degrees would be in Absolutely. a very short time. <laughs> and, like, I think, I mean, I don't know what his new campaign thing is going, but, uh, like, last time he was running, um, and then when he, like, combined with Hillary or whatever, it was, like, people of certain income only get to go for free, not everyone. So, that's, again... That's a lot worse, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's just going to cause more problems. Yeah, honestly, I think that would. Mm-hmm. Why do you guys think so? Because you're going to, I believe the number was 90000 and it was a hard cutoff. You're going to upset a lot of parents who make 95000 a year, and other parents will still pay for their students to get into schools, too, so that doesn't affect that problem. Yeah, um... <laughs> <laughs> people the, always get angry about everything. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I mean, people will always be angry, but I think also, you know, having a cutoff to where, oh, you make too much, now you still have to pay, I don't, I don't know, like... You're creating, like, another division of some type, you know. It's going to make the people who are wealthy, like, think the people who don't have to pay are just kind of now freeloaders instead of the other way around, so. You know, I've always thought if you want to do an education, like, welfare system that was just for the benefit of the lower class, it would be two-year trade schools paid for. And then Mm -hmm. if you want to go to a four-year university or more, you'd have to, you could get benefits, but probably not the whole thing paid for. Yeah. Because I don't think any rich kids are getting their way paid through you know, Universal Technical Institute in Chicago yeah, or anything like that's, that. That's a whole, that's a very interesting thing because uh, that speaks to the whole, you know, the phenomena of people trying to get into university versus going a classical, like a trade school route. We've always kind of been, at least I have been uh, conditioned growing up to say that uh, or to think that going to a trade school was like, that was bad, you know. If you were a plumber or a carpenter, you were pretty much a failure, you know. But if you went to the university and got a degree you'd be like so much smarter and you'd be such a better person mm-hmm. so i think like, it's still interesting we still have that phenomena that's you know telling people that oh you have to still go to university and i think we're just now starting to see the cultural backlash of you know maybe that's not the way to go maybe we should approach trade schools and universities on a more equal footing and you know view them as both equal valid paths forward for a society and not just value one over the other I had a friend who I went to high school with. He went to a one-year trade school to become an electrician. He's been working full-time for two years. I know a couple students from UWS who graduated last year that are still serving in the community or working at Quick Trip, bars, restaurants, that type of stuff. So he has a full-time job. He went to a one-year school. People here went to a four-year university and couldn't find a job. So I think a lot of it more is just the student has to know what they want from their education. If you go to school not knowing what you want, you're wasting your money. It's the area, too. I mean, Mm -hmm. this area for jobs favors more technical-based skills like that, too. So you'd uh, people would definitely have to travel to find their jobs afterwards, too, which I think is a lot harder and scarier for people that have never done that before. So I mean, other than Enbridge and the city government itself, there really are no white-collar jobs in Superior, and that's what a four-year education is the goal to get. So mm-hmm. all the students who graduate from here have to move out to find work. Yeah, but, like, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday, 
and like again like you were saying you know it, it depends on your interest and what you're interested in because if you don't know what you want from college you go there you spend your four year you know tuition in there then like it could go to a waste but also like if you think about it like I don't think any job should be degrading okay like this is the world that we live in we live in a like a diverse world where people do a lot of different things like I need someone to come pick up my garbage we need people to plow this the snow from the streets we need people to do construction we need people to do like you know electrician work like this is society okay because I can't do any like electrician work or construction or build anything I need someone and I'm gonna pay them for the service and they're gonna do so this is just how the economy works and I 100% agree with that but a lot of college students have been dropping out of college because you know of loans and and they cannot afford it anymore and then they go and they take up jobs in construction that's like one of the most common one that I see around me especially like here in Wisconsin and yeah they make like in the summer some of them make up to like 60 bucks an hour or something and like that's a lot like when I graduate, I'm not going to be getting paid 60 bucks an hour, not anytime soon. And But, like, how long can you work in construction? Like, what if you get injured one day? Like, these jobs, I need, we, also, we need to understand and recognize that they're not easy jobs. They require a lot of labor and a lot of energy. Are you willing to do that for the next, I don't know, 30, 40 years of your life? For me, the answer would be no, but most people, that's their only option. And some people don't think that far. I guess that that's what I'm trying to say. You know, just some people think about the now and not the future. Which is why, like, a one-year trade school is a very good thing. Like, you can go to uh, Y-Tech, I believe it's just outside of St. Paul, for one year, and you can learn how to become an auto mechanic. Mm-hmm. That's a job that, especially up, you know, in the Northland where there's ice and snow, they mm-hmm. need a lot of auto mechanics. Mm-hmm. And that is an option, whereas construction, you don't even need that one-year degree, and many people could go into that and get stuck in that. Just that simple one-year trade is invaluable for most people our age, but most people either don't go for it or they go to a four-year degree when that's not what's best for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just people need to figure out what's best for them, I guess, yeah, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that works. <laughs> yeah, and that's like what you were saying earlier, there's a lot of societal pressure to go to a four-year college right after high school mm-hmm. when for most people, that's not the right route. Like, I came here trying to get an economics degree. I changed after a year because luckily I figured it out before it was too late and going to cost me an extra year in money. Yeah, man, I changed like twice in my course, so it's not an easy thing. Yeah. So That's like we're lucky we're both still going to finish on time. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, yeah, like I know a lot of people who changed majors. I know a lot of people who came into college and they spent two, three years and then they dropped out because they they didn't know what they wanted to do and I feel like college is something that people need to take their time with and like roughly think about it and know if it's for them or not. Yeah, you got to have a reason for it. It's if you, the job you want doesn't require a four-year degree, don't go. Yeah, don't waste your money, <laughs> man. <laughs> and like you said, if you take a one-year trade, that's a one-year investment of your life and you have at least something to mm-hmm. get you by until you, you know, you think, "Oh, maybe I would actually like to go back to school." And then you can. For sure, that would be great. But you know, like you said, if you do that one-year trade, you at least have a fallback option. So I remember when I was in high school, I was taking an auto tech class, and a gentleman came in from UTI in Chicago, and they were doing a uh, welding class, and they were offering students full rides for it because governments around uh, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin were offering money because they needed welders. And that was an option where I could have got a one-year trade for free. I didn't want to be a welder, so I came to a four-year university. But welders get paid a lot of money because that's a very unique skill set. Mm-hmm. Wow. Especially if you do it well. Yeah. I tried welding once. I was terrible at it. <laughs> yeah, it was it's supposed cool. to be a T, but it was like a 60-degree angle and it didn't work. Okay, so anything else we want to add? 
I think uh, I got my points across. Yeah, I think I'm all uh, talked out. Okay, well, I'd like to thank you guys so much for coming today. I really appreciate your time, and I enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, it was nice to see you guys again. Awesome, <laughs> So that's it for our podcast today. I'd like to thank you for tuning in and listening. I'd also like to thank KWS for allowing me to use their studios and dwolfmusic.com for the music in this podcast. Tune in next week for another podcast about the voices around you. I am Olivia Shalabi.